So we're in this series called The Christmas Gift. We've been talking about this gift of Christmas is a big deal. Um, you know, we've been talking about it's just not something we want to miss. It's the gift of Christmas. The first week we talked about somebody, a couple people, we looked at their life who missed who missed Christmas, the gift of Christmas. We saw uh, that the innkeeper, the scripture taught us that they were so full. They were at capacity, essentially. They were so busy, they turned away the Messiah. They turned away the Savior. They said, hey, we don't have space in our life for you to be here. And so they missed the opportunity to get to know God and meet God and experience him that way. Then we also saw that the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, uh, we saw that they missed it. The scripture said that they knew the prophecies of where he'd be born. They knew all the stories. They knew all the information. They had all of the things memorized. But through the familiarity of it all, it didn't move them to go encounter and experience his presence. They were able to say, yeah, it's going to take place in this town and do this. But it didn't move them because familiarity and it caused them to miss out on the gift. And then last week we talked about one of the amazing gifts about this gift of Christmas or of Christ um, is that he made it clear and obvious to us that this message of Christmas and the message of Christ and, and the message of God is one that is of the miraculous. Anytime God does something, it's not by accident. It's with his thumbprint, his signature. He's putting his DNA on it. And so, so when we see a story in scripture, it's heaven saying, hey, do you see this example? This is how and who I am. So if we see that the story of the Savior coming to earth is full of the miraculous, then how many know God's desire is to do the miraculous? Right to move in signs and wonders and in miraculous. And so that was last week. So if you missed any of those, I encourage you to go back and check those out. But today I want to take a look at one of the prophecies uh, that Isaiah gave us. The prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ's birth. We get this look into what this gift of Christmas would be, what this gift of Christ would be. So 700 years Before Jesus shows up on the scene, Isaiah begins to prophesy not only who is going to come, but who he's going to be both then and now. So this message that we're about to see is not, hey, a Savior's coming and he's going to be this for this time. No, he's going to be this for all time. Are you with me? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 is where we get this. It says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. These are the gifts that he came as being, a Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, an Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Today I want to focus on the gift of our Savior being the Prince of Peace. Because he's the Prince of Peace, we can have peace. And if, since this happened, since Jesus came in the announcement, the prophecy was that he's going to be the Savior, this gift of peace. We've ever since then kept that as our pace. We've ever since kept that as a lifestyle of peace. As a matter of fact, just look at this Christmas season. This Christmas season, ever since he came as the Prince of Peace, we know that every Christmas season has just been full of peace. Right now in your life, I mean, if you look back on your last couple of weeks, they have just been leisure and peaceful and um, not so sure what to do with yourself because you're swimming in so much peace. As a matter of fact, we kick off the Christmas season of the celebration of the Prince of Peace coming. We celebrate this and we kick it off with this event called Black Friday. Here's how we show we're this much people of peace. We fight each other over flat screen TVs. That's how we kick off the celebration of the Prince of Peace. Here's a couple other ways that we celebrate the Prince of Peace is uh, we have that season of peace where we get to figure out the Christmas list. Now, when I say we, I mean the moms and the wives figure out the Christmas list. 
But the Christmas list, you have to figure out all the people that you have to buy gifts for. And you got to decide, is it this person? Are we buying it for this person? It's a very peaceful and leisure season. But then when you've established the list of who you're buying gifts for at this peaceful season, you then have to go through the other steps of that, which are, what are everybody's sizes? And then after you figure out all the sizes, you have to ask the question, do they already have this? And then if you're buying for a kid or maybe you're a grandparent in here, you have to ask the person, hey, are the kids still into this? And of course, the answer is going to be, no, the kids aren't into that anymore. You have to buy a whole new genre of things because all those other things are now found at goodwill. (laughs) If you did a good job, you made room. So there's all the piece of trying to figure out the Christmas list. You also have the piece of where's the party going to be this year? Whose house is it going to be at? What time of the day is it going to be at? And here's my favorite one. What are we going to wear at this party? Is it going to be a dressed up party where everyone has to look nice because we're going to take pictures that we're never going to use throughout the rest of the year? (laughs) Or are we going to get to wear comfortable clothes and get to go and wear a hoodie and just enjoy ourselves? I love the, hey, everybody come over here. We're going to take pictures. And everybody's like, okay, we got to take pictures. And then we don't use any of it through the rest of the year. No, over here, we don't want to miss this. And then we don't do anything with it. How many got people at first service? Those like teenagers over here just cracking up. Like that's 100% true. Everything was photographed. (laughs) I had someone in my life who took pictures of everything. And uh, she was on like an iPhone 1 last year. It was like this. And I'm sitting here thinking like, we're taking pictures. Here's the arrival. Okay, we turned on the oven. Let's take a picture. Let's take a picture. And I'm like, we're not going to see any of these pictures. How many know what I'm talking about? But it's like, oh, what's the day going to be? What's it going to be like? And then we have the piece of decorations. Oh, we got all the decorations we need to put together. And then the dog's going to eat the decorations. We got to keep the decorations. And the lights go out on the decorations. We got all the decorations. And then we have all the piece of... um, After decorations, we got house cleaning. And then when you get to the house cleaning part, you're going to say, hey, we need to get that project done before everybody comes over. And you say, we don't need to get that done before everyone comes over. And you say, well, you said that you would have it done before last year's Christmas, the peaceful season of getting the house put together or the peaceful situation of recitals and work parties. How many of you are feeling the peace of this season? Just the peace of the season. Uh, We have the piece of the Christmas cards. You send out your Christmas cards, and then you go to the mailbox, and somebody you didn't think of sent you their Christmas card. And you say, oh, no, my gosh, we better send them one of our Christmas cards. But we already did our Christmas cards because this is the season full of peace. Focus on the Family did a study, and they said uh, 61% of people said that they expect to get in a serious argument with a close family member this holiday season. You know that that's well past half. That's well past half of saying like, yep, here comes Christmas. We're going to get in a real argument. Uh, some of your personalities are like mine. You like to get in a good argument. So you're like, yeah, I love this time of year. We're going to. 39% of people polled said that they believe that their holiday guests overstay their welcome. I'm hearing some amens. I'm hearing some. I'm not going to say which side I'm on. But if we're not careful, it could seem like this season which is called to be, and it's possible, and our Savior came to say, hey, you can live a life of peace. If we're not careful, we can turn the season of him coming into this, a very chaotic season of lack of peace. What's interesting about this prophecy is we would think, oh, this must have been such a golden age. You know, the Savior came to earth and the star led the wise men. That must have been such an amazing, peaceful, leisure-filled time. But actually it wasn't. At the time that this prophecy was given, the country was being run by an immoral king. 
They were in spiritual disaster. They were in economic ruin. They were in constant unrest. It seemed like every time they went on their social media, there was another major upset. There was another major grief. Every time they turned on the news, there was somebody else upset about something. It came into a season of a lot of unrest. How many can relate to that kind of season? And Jesus said, no, 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 I've come as a savior. And one of the gifts that I am is that I am the, the, the savior who can be a prince of peace. The Hebrew word, it's a two-part word. The Hebrew word for prince of peace is this, sar shalom, which sar means this, to be the Lord, the chief, or the general. Scripture's trying to teach us this, that our savior, our Messiah is the chief. He is the Lord. He is the general of all peace. That's what he is for us. That's what he came to be for all of us. Shalom was such a big deal to the Jewish people that literally when they would greet each other because they understood that our God, our Savior is the Prince of Peace, the Lord, the General of Peace. They wanted to make sure that was active in their life. So literally upon greeting each other, they would say what to each other? Shalom. They would say this peace be unto you. It meant like this rest to you, contentment to you. I wonder if at the holidays, that's actually how we greet each other. In the hustle and bustle, are you walking around the mall, bumping into people in line, shalom to you, rest to you. I think you walk around and be like, get out of here, don't take that last thing. But they said, no, 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 shalom, peace to you, Uh, contentment to you. It would almost be like greeting each other and saying, hey, relax, God's got us. The Prince of Peace has come, we can have peace. Are you with me today? Uh, There's one person that we all think we are. We would love to be people of peace every single day, just wake up, wake up, be so peaceful. I like, we all wish we could really just be this guy right here. Go ahead and throw him up there. He's coming. There he is. All right. This is just us. Just Grogu. We're just sipping our thing. Today's going to be a great day. I'm just going to relax. Just going to have a sip. Just going to observe some things in my peace today. There was a cup at Disney that I saw. It's like a life model. Just keep sipping, man. Just keep sipping, bro. Like we don't got to get all worked up about this kind of stuff. Uh, yesterday, somebody at our Christmas party got a ring doorbell, a ring doorbell. So a little camera thing that you put on your thing. And when they ring the doorbell, you, you get a notification And the box said this, because you got a ring doorbell, it said this, you can now have peace of mind because you have a ring doorbell. I was like, you ain't going to have peace of mind with a ring doorbell. All you're going to get is about 7,000 notifications each day. Your phone's going to be going off. Your iPad's going off. And every time you check it, it's just going to be because a bird went by. There's no peace of mind in a ring doorbell. Peace of mind. But we sell. We sell peace of mind through the way of the world. Peace of mind. Oh, if you have this, you'll have peace of mind. This year, give the gift of peace of mind. It doesn't come through any of those things. Peace is not a product. It's not a place or a position in life. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus, the captain of peace. And we need to understand how to live and submit and come under the structure that he has for us. Can I get an amen today? I got three points for you that are going to help us understand what it's like to live in peace and come under the one who is Prince of Peace. Point number one is this. When life is crazy... Jesus can bring peace. He is the captain. He is the general of shalom. He is somebody who can bring us peace uh, when life is crazy. Uh, I used to say it this way. You might walk around this way. You might say the same thing too. Oh, my week, my week has been crazy. Or you might say, oh man, my kids, they've been crazy. Or my, my, my job, I'll tell you right now, my job is crazy. Or man, my family, my family right now, they, they are crazy. Who's got some crazy family? Some real ameners like, yeah, yeah, ameners. If, uh, 
if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, no, I don't, I don't think my family has any crazy people. You're the one. You're the crazy one. That means it's you. You're the crazy one. But, oh, my family's crazy. My, my family's been crazy lately. Can I let you in on something? Uh, it's not just my family's crazy this week. My kids are crazy this week. Can I tell you a reality? Life is crazy. It's not just family's crazy right now. Kids are crazy right now. No, no, no. Life is crazy. And that's why Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, came to be the one who can bring peace when life is crazy. Can I get an amen today? Because life can just disrupt your peace. You can be Grogu, and you can be just having a great time, sipping away, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you read a headline that's like guts you. You jump on social media, and you see something that maybe somebody said, and then boom, there goes your peace. Or you go to the grocery store, and you run into somebody, or you hear something, or something happens to you, and boom, your peace is gone. Or maybe for you, something happened, and you feel rejection and abandonment, and uh, someone lied about you, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere... You've lost your peace. Jesus talks about what we do when life is crazy and out of nowhere we lose our peace. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus speaking says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says this, in me you can have peace, but in this world you'll have trouble. Why? Because Jesus understood that this world is crazy. You're going to have trouble. Why? Because this world is crazy. You just got to come to terms with the fact that this world is just crazy out there. But he says, but take heart in it, knowing that I've overcome the world. One of the definitions and meanings and interpretations of overcome the world is the scripture says that Jesus rose above it. He rose above it. So our Savior, our Messiah, our captain of Shalom is somebody who's overcome the crazy of the world. So we don't got to get caught up in it because we have somebody who overcame it, the Prince of Peace, the general of our peace. Point number two is this. When storms are overwhelming, Jesus can bring peace. Uh, I thought about it like this. We just established that life can be crazy. It's enough that we just got to deal with life in a fallen world, in a crazy time that we live. That's enough. But on top of that, top of life being crazy, storms come into our life. On top of, oh, I'm dealing with enough. And all of a sudden, here comes a storm, an unforeseen storm comes into my life. Uh, I brought a picture of uh, one of my favorite concert venues. Uh, This is in Chicago. It's absolutely unbelievable. This looks fake, right? It looks like somebody painted it. Uh, but this is right along uh, sort of the lakeshore of Chicago here. And you see down at the bottom is the outdoor amphitheater. And uh, we love to go to concerts. I'm a huge fan of the Dave Matthews Band. I've gone to almost 50 shows. This summer will probably be 50 shows. Been following them since 2001. So we've been to a lot of different venues. But this one by far is my favorite. Love the band. Love to support the band. Of course, Dave and I are friends. I visited them a couple weeks ago. But anyway... This venue here uh, is amazing because the boats can come in. Of course, they can park. That's Lake Michigan there, but you have the cityscape uh, right directly behind you. Of course, you see Shed's Aquarium. If you've ever been there, Soldier Field is right there. Uh, But what's fun about this place is you can go to Chicago and park your car, and you don't have to rent a car because it's not that far of a walk to get to Michigan Avenue, where, of course, there's just a million hotels to choose from. So Jess and I take off for Chicago, and we're like, hey, we're going to do two shows. It was a two-night show. Um, So we'll go to both shows. We won't even worry about our car. We'll just stay uh, at one of these hotels and we'll just walk back and there's a ton to see along the way. This is going to be amazing. So we get to the show and uh, a beautiful night, sunset. It honestly looked a lot like this and um, we're somewhere in the middle kind of where you sit. And uh, as the show is going, 
uh, all of a sudden, I, I noticed the wind is kind of starting to pick up. And I'm thinking, ah, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's an outdoor venue, of course. I'm like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. We're near the lake. It's just like lakeshore wind, not a big deal. And then just behind that, toward the cityscape, you start seeing pretty big bolts of lightning. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, this is not great. We, like, don't have a car. We got quite a ways to walk. We're not prepared for this. And then you start to hear the thunder. And uh, I've gone to, as I've said, a bunch of these shows. I know that uh, how they structure their concert and how long they last and all those things. And so uh, I'm sitting here going like, oh, man, this storm might hit us. So I look at my phone, and I see the batch of rain and all the lightning included. And I'm like, yikes, this is going to be a really bad storm when it gets here. But I'm thinking, I got, we got enough time. We'll get the show in. We know how it works. So we keep enjoying the show, and all of a sudden, man, that lightning is really getting close, and the wind is really starting to pick up, and I look at my phone again, I'm like, oh man, that storm is really coming quick. And so uh, the speaker stacks that were hanging above the stage started swaying in the wind. It's like how windy and all this stuff's blowing around. And I said to Jess, I was like, look, there's only one way out of this venue, and like all of us have to get out of here. And uh, I said, I think we should probably start walking because they're going to call this show like a sporting event. They, they don't let you outside and lightning and things like that. I said, Let, let's start walking ahead. Well, we just barely kind of get around where the venue is and we got to walk back to those buildings and it is insane rain, thunder, rain, wind blowing, like just crazy amounts of rain start hitting us. I'm talking about just, just the craziest you can't see you're running. It's cast. Now Jess is a runner. She's a runner. As a matter of fact, coming up here in January, this is how insane she's going to be. She's doing this thing called a dopey challenge. It's appropriately named. One day you run a 5K. The next day you run a 10K. The next day. The next day you run a half marathon. The next day you run a full marathon. The next day you have your funeral. That's all. That's the week. That's the day right there. That's what she's going to do. She's a runner. I'm not a runner. I make Taco Bell runs, but I don't do any other kind of running. And so we got to start running. This is crazy rain. We're not prepared for this. We got to go do all this stuff. So we're running, and, and, and I hate running, but we're running because it's just crazy amount of rain. She has Birkenstocks on, so it's starting to rain. The water's all gushing up everywhere that we're running. So now she's got these slippery sandals. Uh, and so now we're trying to run to there, but it looks like I'm running with Phoebe. She's like running all crazy if you've ever watched that episode. I'm just like, oh, man. And it was so much rain. It was one of those kind of rains that, like, when you got back to the hotel and took your shoe off, you like... You dumped your shoe out, the water came out. Like all my blunts were soaking wet. It was terrible. <laughs> Just joking, joking. Some people in first service were like, oh, I hate that. And I was like, huh? Huh? I got him. It's a trap. If you did that, there's a prayer room down the hallway, past the coffee bar. We'll get you prayed up. But it's soaking, soaking wet. But what's crazy, it will edit it out. Don't worry. Oh, wait, it's already on Facebook. When we got up to Michigan Avenue, I know you guys are so much holier than my joke life. But we get up to Michigan Avenue, and uh, there was people on Michigan Avenue that had prepared for the storm. They prepared. They knew life's crazy. But they said, hey, it's okay. We know life's crazy, but we got something that can take care of us. So we get up toward the restaurant, and we're looking crazy, and we're running like crazy, and we're soaking wet. And there's people coming out of the restaurants, bougie restaurants. They just open their umbrella put it up over themselves, and they're just walking around in perfect peace. Why? Because they understood they could get up under the protection of something. 
And that life would be good if you could just get up under the protection of something. And that's why the scripture says that we're called to live our lives up under the shadows of the Almighty. Who may know what I'm talking about? We can live in perfect peace even when life is crazy. And even when these storms come out of nowhere, we have the one, the general, the captain of Shalom can take care of us even when storms come. Are you with me today? That's how we're called to live. We can have something in our life that protects us from that. There's a story and an example of this in scripture. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, says that on the day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus speaking, let us go over to the other side. So speaking of taking a boat to the other side, verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. Verse 37, a furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? Verse 39, but he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and he said, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm, or you could say that it was peaceful, peaceful. You could say that it was totally peaceful. I wrote it down like this, obedience doesn't equal absence of storms. We miss this in our Christian theology. We miss the fact. We think, oh, I'm going through this storm. A squall showed up in my life. I I must be walking in disobedience. What did I do for this to happen in my life? Where am I misstepping? Scripture says that Jesus said to them, get in the boat and go out here. They were simply walking in obedience and a storm still showed up in their life. Don't believe the lie that tells you because there's a storm in your life, you must have done something to cause this. You can be walking in simple obedience to what God has called you to do and storms still show up in your life. I thought about it like this. Uh, Jesus calls us on a journey. Hey, I want you to raise your kids in my way. I want you to do this kind of and storms start showing up everywhere. I must be doing it wrong. Or maybe God's called you on his call and his purpose and his assignment. And along the way, storms are popping up and you're saying, oh, God, what am I doing wrong? It's probably more so that you're doing something right. You're walking in obedience. Are you with me today? But he's the one who can say, hey, this storm, this squall, this thing, he can cause it to be peace. I thought about this for the disciples. Scripture says that they go to Jesus. Imagine their conversation, right? They're going like, hey, we're just walking in obedience. He's the one who told us to come out here. Now he's just down there taking a nap. Does he not care if we die? Does he not care if we drown? In the first part of the story, they're like, I can't believe we have to go through this. I hate that we're going through this. But now if they could see now what they couldn't see then, they would see that 2,000 years later, we're using their testimony as something that will secure us in our faith. Many of us are going like, God, how are we in this storm? Don't you care about me? I can't believe you're allowing me to walk through this. But what you don't understand is when you trust him and you continue to walk in obedience, God's going to use that testimony of yours to secure other people in their faith. Can I get an amen today? Just because it's a storm doesn't mean God's not with you. The disciples at some point all of a sudden went, oh my gosh, look at this guy. He calmed the seas. He commands the weather. They went from a, do you not care to, oh, wow, the captain of Shalom is on this boat. What an amazing experience 
I'll close with this. Point number three, and this is a little bit more challenging one. Point number three is this. When sin seems unbeatable, Jesus can bring peace. When our sin seems unbeatable, Jesus can bring peace. We all have things we do that we don't want to do. We all have these things that we do that we don't want to do. And when we do them, it steals and it robs us of our peace. Living the way God called us to and living in the way that God instructs us and the ways that he tells us to brings peace. But when sin comes in and we we compromise and we make choices, a lot of times the result of that sin is we lose our peace. Maybe we make a sin decision and it causes us to feel guilt. We lose our peace because we have this feeling of guilt. Maybe for you, you make a sin decision and it causes you to feel shame. Man, I made this decision and now I feel so shameful. And so you lost your peace because of shame. Maybe it's discouragement. You made a sinful decision and you lost your peace and now you're over here just going like, I'm just so discouraged. If we're being honest, I think for a lot of us, we make sinful decisions and we experience anger. I go, ah, why did I do that? I keep messing up. I'm better than this. I can't believe that. And we lose our peace through anger. It's because the reality is sin separates us from the perfect peace of God. But what I love about our Savior, what I love about the gift of Jesus and this gift that we experience at Christmas is that God had a solution. He sent someone that could pay the ultimate price and could shed perfect blood for us so that we could be forgiven so that that sin wouldn't have to permanently separate us. Can I get an amen today? That's why Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This word justified is so great because it's meant this, just as if we never sinned. So let me read it to you again. Therefore, since we have been justified, just as if we've never sinned, through faith, we can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The key here is that he has to be Lord in our life. We love this. Most people love the idea of the peace of God. Shalom. Yeah, I can get with that. Shalom, the peace of God. But the sar part, the Lord part, that's where it gets hard. We want the shalom of God, but we don't want the lordship of God in our life. If we want the peace of God, you'll never experience the full peace of God until you experience the lordship of Christ. If you want the peace of God, the shalom of God on your family, then you have to do things God's way, the lordship. He's got to be lordship. If you want the peace of God on your finances, then you have to let lordship be a part of your finances when it comes to God and do things God's way. In your marriage, if you want your marriage to be blessed and experience shalom, then you have to let lordship, God's way, be a part of your marriage. In dating to all my single people out here, if you want to experience God's peace and God's provision and God's protection in your dating life as you're looking for a spouse, you're trying to find the next person, you must do it God's way so you can experience God's peace and provision on your relationships. How about your calendar? Your calendar is the same way. You want God's peace and blessing and you want the shalom on your life through your calendar year, then we must be doing things God's way, submitted to his lordship. Can I get an amen? When you follow God's plan, you'll experience God's peace. God wants to be the God of peace, the prince of peace, the captain of peace, shalom. But we got to be submitted. We got to be surrendered to his lordship. Amen.
Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give you the opportunity today, if you're in here and you haven't submitted your life to God, you haven't made him Lord of your life, you haven't come under his lordship. And I know those are all big words that we all can't fully understand. But basically, to surrender your life to him is to say, hey, God, I don't want to be in control anymore. I want you to be the leader of my life. I'm going to strive to do things your way, according to your standards, according to your lordship. And maybe you've prayed a prayer in the past, or maybe you've never prayed a prayer, but there's this prayer that I believe is life-changing. It's the prayer of salvation. Some people call it the sinner's prayer. It's the same thing. But I believe when you pray this prayer, what it does is it positions our heart and our minds and our emotions to say, God, I want you to be Lord of my life, no longer me in control. And you accept the gospel work of the cross, the price that was paid on your behalf. So I'm going to show you in Romans where we get this understanding. It says it this way in Romans. This is the sinner's prayer, the prayer of salvation. Romans 10.9 says this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to have you put up your hands or come forward or do anything like that. But I believe in this life-changing prayer. And if you're in here this morning and you say, Pastor Josh, I want to pray that prayer. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. The amazing thing about it is the scripture says that your sins are forgiven and then you're eternally on your way to heaven. If you're in here this morning, you say, that's what my heart wants to do. That's what I want to do today. Then I am going to ask you, as we all pray together in unity, I am going to ask that you use your words. You'll repeat after me. That's the confession part. But repeat after me and mean it in your heart, and I believe that salvation will be yours. Let's all do it together nice and loud so that we can be in unity. But if you're here today and you say, I want to be a part of that prayer, I want to make him Lord of my life so I can experience him and who he is and his perfect peace, even if you're watching online, wherever you may be, driving down the road. This is a moment where your life can be changed. It's not going to make you perfect, but it's going to allow God to come in and be that Lord, that captain of Shalom. So if that's you, all of us together, let's pray this prayer. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and help me to walk with you all the days of my life. I believe you sent your son Jesus and he died and rose again for me. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all applaud them really well. Give it up to those that prayed. Hey, we're so proud of you for praying that prayer. We want to help you with some of your next steps. So just down the hallway past the coffee bar is our prayer room. And we got a free book that we'd like to give you. Uh, we're not going to try to, again, sign you up for anything. Just go back there and say, hey, I prayed this prayer. I'd love to pick up that book. And that book helps you with some of your next steps, what it looks like to follow God and do life his way. And that's a free gift that we, we want you to have that when you leave today. So don't forget to go do that. And for all of us online and in the room, every person here today, uh, truly, we know that peace of mind is not going to come from any material thing that happens over the next couple of weeks and into the new year. Uh, there's no kind of arranging you can do in your new year. Uh, to perfect peace only comes from Jesus. And so I'm saying over these next couple of weeks, let's believe that. Let's let that, that captain, that general, that Lord of Shalom be in our lives. And uh, it's not something that comes automatic. It's something we're going to be conscious of our lordship being under our lordship and, and how he can do that because you know, life's crazy 
and uh, and 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 we got to say, okay, God, just like Chicago, you got to say, okay, you're you're my you're my covering. I'm not going to do this by my own hand, my own might, but I can do this. Yeah. Amen.